nearly got killed. Why? Why did we get killed, Dave? Uh, well, we just had Megastorm come over the factory right before we were about to start recording. We were about to record like half an hour ago, and then we had to go watch this front rolling in. And I felt like I was in the movie Twister. You remember that movie, Adrian? Oh, yeah. Twister, where all the cows get um, sucked up into the sky there. Yeah, and they <laughs> drive around in their American utes, ute trucks, and they, for some reason, send Coke cans into the <laughs> yes. eye of the storm. Yep, I remember and, those movies. And I felt like that because we just got these sweet new chairs for podcasting and yep. I'd just set it up and you wandered out the front and you're like, Dave, come look at this. Yeah. So I wheeled myself over there in the chair. Well, I felt really high tech. Yeah, because you got a high tech chair. But let's have a look at this um, storm that we time lapsed there. Yeah, we time lapsed. So have a look at that. If it plays, is it playing? No. No. There we go. That is rolling in. It's like a double disc there. Yeah. Triple. Triple disc. Triple disc. I had to, it nearly fell over. Yeah. I had to hold the phone. It was very impromptu filming. Oh, yeah. It was just crazy. Like, I think, um, the, um, we filmed the eye as well, didn't we? Yeah. It came right over the top of the factory and it was spinning. Look at that. It's just spinning around. But uh, enough of the storm chat. That was quite epic, though, wasn't it? Yeah. Why is there enough of the storm chat? All right. That was one of the best experiences <laughs> I've ever had. I'm not even joking. That was like the best storm I've ever seen. And then we called Winger, Brendan. Yeah. And he was like on some sort of storm high because he'd been at um, Mount, where was he? He was, oh, he was at Oliver's Hill. Franks in there, yeah, Oliver's Hill. Watching filming. it roll in. We watched it for about five minutes. He was there for two hours with his poor daughter getting rained on to film his own time lapse, which did he send that to us? Nah, he didn't. He no. sent like some screen record thing and it was Mine really was hard better. to see. No, well, I couldn't tell because he just like scrolled through it like really quick. Oh. So he just went, boom, it's gone. Okay. As ours was like five minutes of the glorious moment where it just formed and went over us, so... So that was really helpful of him. Yeah. Not only is he not come in again when he was supposed to, but he has sent us some crap footage that's no <laughs> useless. <laughs> Basically. Oh, well, yeah. So that was epic. No. Was what else has been epic this week, Adrian? Any fishing stories for me? Oh, yeah, mate. So last week we talked about we're kind of getting over bait fishing for snapper. It's getting boring because we're not catching anymore because <laughs> we suck. Not boring because we've just caught so many this season that we're over it. Boring because we're winding an eagle raise and we can't be bothered ruining ourselves and staying yep. up all night to catch nothing. So we came up with a plan. Yeah, well, last week we talked about um, going in Port Phillip Bay and um, using plastics. So now yep. that I've got this new chair, our eye line is impeded by this. I'm going to have to go down. I can't see your eyes because there's like a pole right on that level. That's all right. But, yeah, <laughs> as I was saying, um, yeah, we decided we'll go plastic fishing. So I think we'd launched at about 5 o'clock or something. It was quite late. Yeah, it was after work. And Dave had one rod in his car and it was a squid rod. And, yep. And, yeah, he borrowed one of mine. And Well, I wasn't even sure that we were going. I just threw that in last minute. And yeah. Then, and then we uh, launched out of... Karum. Yep. Karum. The old Pado River. In Adrian's boat. Yep. <laughs> and uh, 
put Adrian in the water and he reversed off at high speed. Oh, yeah. I should have been featured on the uh, qualified captain there. <laughs> I was watching him in the rearview mirror and <laughs> I saw the shock on his face as he accidentally slammed it into full speed reverse and cannoned off the trailer. Well, the thing is, I normally do go that hard on yep. the reverse, but because Karam's quite steep, mm. oh, really steep actually, yep. um, your boat kind of just slips off and... And it started slipping off, but I'd already done the reverse how I'd normally do, just a quick yank to mm. yank it off. And, um, yeah, it came out quite quick. And anyway, I no, look like a, no biggie, but yeah. I just I just remembered it then and it made me laugh. <laughs> Karam's like the epicenter for funny boating things, I reckon. Yeah. Because it's like snapper season, it's overrun with boats. A lot of people that only fish for a couple of weeks a year. <laughs> yes. So their boats haven't been maintained. Well, you can probably name some of the... Stereotype ones like there's the guy who has his storm cover on for eight months of the year and then comes down to the very first time fish for snapper for the year and he's still got his storm cover on with the surfboards attached and everything in the garage is still attached to his boat. Yep. Um, there's uh the Brendan Wing who has <laughs> animal droppings and things on in his boat. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> nah. Then there's the guy who unties everything while he's halfway down the ramp and he hops back in his car and he reverses down and then the boat just falls off in the water and floats away and he's running out of his car, opening, like slammed his door open and runs out and tries to chase his boat and he's half like floating in the water, hanging or, off his anchor. Yep. Well, there's uh, Mr. Overconfidence. Yeah. He comes down, doesn't have the experience to back up his, uh, his, his, his self uh, prophecy. Yeah. You know, he thinks pretty highly of himself and he comes <laughs> in a bit hot and he uh, does something stupid. Like he like he drops the boat on the ramp or he, oh, yes. or, or when he comes into dock, he comes in too hot trying to be a hero <laughs> and smashes the boat really hard. But he plays it off really cool. Yeah. Well, well, Karim <laughs> doesn't actually have any like, it's got like one or two soft pontoons. So yeah. You don't really like docking it. You just kind of ram your bow in and pick people up that way so you avoid damage because it's just concrete and wood. Yeah. So it's all right for you. Yeah. You have a open boat that you can jump on the bow. Yeah. Well, that's what I did the other day because I thought uh, that's just the easiest way. You can jump on a nice flat deck. And I wanted to do a running leap from like three metres and land. But yeah. And I just ploughed my... I knew an- I was too uncoordinated. <laughs> I just ploughed my anchor into the uh, pile on there and you just... <laughs> fell on it, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, we digress. So then we uh, charged out of Karam. Yes, we did. And we'd come, yeah, we'd come up with this plan to go lure fishing. I've, we've caught plenty of uh, snapper on plastics in Port Phillip before, but um, usually it's while you're um, bait fishing and you just sort of do it as an afterthought. But this time we had a bit of a plan to use the electric motor and um, we'd sound fish up and then spot lock on them. And um, mark them on the sounder and sort of actively hunt them like that. So that that's the um, markings we spot locked on with the um, lecky there. Yep. And so our good mate Blackie gave us a bit of an area to go look at and took about half an hour of sounding and we found some good stuff. And then we uh, spot locked onto it. And um, I did cube up some pilchards. I don't know if that's cheating. <laughs> Bait with plastics. Well, the thing is, you're cubing at the back of the boat with the flow of the water, and I was casting towards the front, so I don't think it really oh. 
helped. I thought I was pretty helpful, <laughs> but anyway. So, yeah, and he took about 20 minutes and Adrian thought he had a flathead on and he just had heavy dead weight and then and I thought, that is a snapper, and then it woke up. Well, the thing is, because I went out really early season and tried this exact thing with my lecky and stuff and just took plastics out, no bait rods, no nothing, and I think I caught about 20... Really big, stupid, bastard coddling things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just So I just remember them having like really dead heavyweight. Mm. So I thought, oh, no, don't tell me I'm, I'm on one of them again. So Yeah, I think it's um, definitely a, a thing you want to do when there's a bit, when the water's a bit warmer and the fish are a bit more active and aggressive. 100%. So what, what really pushed us was that there was a really hot bite off Caram and Frankston and Mornington mm. there out in the deep. So that really gave us some confidence in... But then when we went out, it wasn't that good. No, because the barometer had dropped. And but actually, compared to all the other boats, we held our own. Yeah, I think like, in that area we were fishing, no one actually caught snapper, did they? Well, I didn't see many. I saw some other large fish. Yeah. I'll get on to that a bit later. Yeah, so we dropped the... Um, uh, yeah, basically I hooked up and Dave picked up the camera and here's a bit of the footage now, so... You're right under. You feel me? Yeah, I've got this going. Oh, Dave's wiping the camera here. So helpful. So I just said I no, might I turn the spotlight off. Just be really good at fishing. <laughs> he was panicking. Oh my god, I'm actually on a snap <laughs> on the plastic. Yeah, so we just quickly it? tried to film it here. That's not super light tackle either. That's no, like um, what, what rating's that rod? Um, that's really four crazy. kilo, I think. We, we use that for tuna. Yeah, yeah, I use that for tuna. Um, yeah. That's going hard. Yeah. So you, you got it on a uh, nuclear chicken jerk bait. Yeah. By uh, by who makes them? Berkeley. Berkeley yeah. yeah. Gulp. Is it Berkeley Gulp? <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, people say it's not pure way of fishing for plastics because it's made out of food matter, I think. But they're made of starch or something. Yeah. Yeah. So they're biodegradable. But everyone puts scent on plastics anyway, so it's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so basically, we spot locked on fish and. Um, what the battle? Yeah. You could probably skip forward a bit to the landing. Okay. Yeah, here it goes. Got him. So we measured that and it was uh, a bit over 80 centimetres. Yeah. I think we called it six kilo in the video, so probably around that. Pretty close to it anyway. I think I almost have an accident here. <laughs> That's a good fish. Yeah. That's a bloody good fish for um, a plastic plastic dog. Yeah. And that's like my first real attempt of actually going for um, snapper on the plastics there. Apart but from earlier in the season. Yeah, so the um, electric motor really helped on that. Like we were able to just move around and spot lock and keep just going with the uh, flow of the uh, current there to keep finding more fish. Yeah, it was good fun. It's an under underutilised uh, fishery, I reckon. We don't really do it very often. We're just busy in Western Port where I have caught snapper on plastics in Western Port. Um, but it's uh, not as effective of an option as Port Phillip because there's no current in Port Phillip. Yeah, well, the fish seem to stack up a lot more in Port Phillip because there's less current, I guess. And 
One area that I reckon is good for plastics in Western Port or could be good would be up on the Corals Coronet Bay area where it's like really shallow and the tide moves really slow. Yep. I reckon you could just do a big long drift over there casting. Oh, yeah. Yep. And you'd be a good chance. The other thing I want to try next time we go out, Adrian, is um, a soft vibe. Yes. I, yes, I'm into that too, Dave. Because I see up north um, – it's really effective for like Mulloway and yeah. Barramundi and stuff. And they literally are just hopping it up and down, which yeah. is basically what you were doing when you hook that fish. We were marking exactly. on the sounder and you dropped it straight down and it was just putting it in their face and moving it around. And you've got the confidence that they're under you. Yep, 100%. And uh, yeah, being the soft vibe, it's just always in that strike zone. So Yeah, so... I'm going to get... I'm going to try that next time. Maybe even some metal jigs. But I reckon, um, yeah, we'll give that another crack. It was... Bloody good fun. Something yeah. different. Have a look at that hook um, hook position it hooked up in. Crazy. It's gone through the lip and then out. So it's like gone through the bone bit. Yeah, I got very lucky with the hook up there. Not really. That's a good, He wasn't coming off. No, no, that's what I mean. Like, because I only had 20 pound leader on. Um, so it wasn't, didn't have any opportunity to rub against any teeth, I guess. So Yeah. So um, I might do a little bit of a, while we're on fishing reports, talking about our own one. Yeah. I'll do a quick little... Whip around, yeah, like I did last week. What People seemed into that. So, um, snapper, snapper, snapper in Melbourne, yeah, as it always is this time of year, and it's gone into bloody hyperdrive. It's a world um, renowned fishery, isn't it? Yeah, just wow. massive spawning snapper come in, and then they leave. Yeah, they catch them all before they <laughs> leave. <laughs> it's um, it's a mainstay of Victorian fishing. So they, yeah, they last week or so they've gone absolutely. Bonkers in Port Phillip, which I think we mentioned last week. Yep. Western Port seems like it's just sort of caught up, and that seems to have produced some really good fishing. Um, I spoke to my mate Dion the other day, and this is like a secondhand report because he was landscaping at a guy's house. Yeah. And the guy's a fisho, and he went out. <laughs> and he went out, and he fished the corals area, and he was he's just said apparently it was just crazy. Yeah, and right. he had to stop fishing after a couple of hours because he had his bag. And Dion saw the fish when he came back and he said the smallest was five kilo and the biggest was easy over seven kilo. Oh, wow. So he had a really good session then. Yep. Off the corals. So you normally fish quite shallow there as well in the corals. Yeah, so probably about five to six metres, possibly less. Yep. Uh, and then, yeah, up the north arm there, Lysart seems like it's just started to pick up, which has been really slow. And we stupidly just kept going there <laughs> thinking that it was going to start to fire. Because uh, it's always November like, yeah. where it just goes crazy. It seems so. like it's a little bit later. Um, so our mate Big T from yep. uh, Hastings. Oh, oh, Big T. Yeah, from Online Tackle. So he got he, a good fish off there, did he? I say he got a good one up Lice Arts. Yeah. Amongst the, and a few other people got into him. So it's a good sign that they're um, really starting to fire up there as well. Yeah. Which is probably one of our favourite areas. So you might have to go have a look there. Uh, moving on from the snapper. Yes. When yes. we were catching this, um, <laughs> this plastics fish, we uh, heard some hooting and some hollering, didn't we? Yeah, because I said to Dave, I think that boat's um, lost something or caught something really good because we could hear him just screaming and yelling. They're like a hundred meters away. Um, so have a look at that. That's a Port Phillip Bay Mulloway caught in like nineteen meters of water. So this is. Um, Mason Schultz and friends. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, guys. I can't remember 
the other guy's names. But we know Mason pretty yeah, well. Yeah, we know him well. And um, so, yeah, he's out there with his mates and um, that's a really strange capture in Port Phillip. It's strange, but it happens at least once or twice a year as well. I reckon, yeah. Like, I reckon once a season or maybe once every two seasons, there's a genuinely big mulloway. Yeah, you always see like a 17-kilo model yep. out off Karim Artificial or out deeper or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and someone lucky catches it. And he's just eating a pilchard on a Paternoster rig. Basically, on a snatcher thing. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> out of like hundreds and hundreds of boats yeah, and millions and millions of snapper, yeah, he's gone and decided to eat that. It's crazy because just the um thought that we could have possibly caught one of them on a plastic. Yeah, uh, well, probably a hundred meters away. Yeah, um, that would have been pretty caught. cool. That, that would have bloody torn line off the reel. Yeah, it's so been awesome. Yeah, so there's well, it's well, uh, there's well known Mulloway areas as in um up the Yarra River, yeah, Maribyrnong, Paddo River, and uh, I think some of the tagging has shown those fish move between those systems so obviously they're in the main basin of port phillip every now and then um i know the carom out artificial has produced some in yeah 100 percent. like i yeah. always see one or two a year from from yeah. those areas so in, would, the, in the heat of the safer season too yeah. So. yeah it'd be great if one day that was a really good fishery but unfortunately with mulloway it's um seems like it's going the other way um yeah brendan's been fishing like an absolute <laughs> maniac how oh. many trips has he done lately? I reckon, no, no joke, I reckon he does minimum three. Four. Four, four, four days a week. Four days a week. I reckon. Gay, for the last three or four weeks. And yeah, fishing long hours yeah. on spots where we've caught heaps of, or he's caught heaps of Mulloway before. Yeah. And he is, it's been a real battle for him. And yeah, I was just talking about it with him the other night and I was saying, well, the stocks up in New South Wales are, have um, pretty much collapsed apparently. So well, I'm not sure if that's where our fish are coming from, mm. but it can't be a good thing. It's crazy because like, he's putting so much effort in. He's actually launching twice a day as well. Like he'll he'll go to um, Mornington because it's quite easy to catch squid in Port Phillip Bay, but they're just a bit smaller. So he's doing that, catching squid. Yeah. And then he's going, uh, launching at Stony or Coronelli depending on the weather. Yeah. So he's, he's putting he's, in some yards. As well and truly should... With, and and he's been fishing the peak periods. Like, he knows when to be there. Yeah. And hasn't had any luck. So, it's a... Yeah, I, I think that's a little bit of a concern. That, that Most of our fisheries seem on the up, but that one, that's a, that's a little bit worrying. I've got to say, I think his boat is cursed. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is that one theory. I mean, like, every other boat that we've had on the Malawi... Has caught. Has caught in a lot less trips than his <laughs> his boat Tilly has. I think Extreme's even, done one even trip. My Edencraft has <laughs> caught Mulloway and I wasn't even there. And I think it got it got like two in two days or something. Yeah, that's right. Yep. The my old boat got him. Yep. Uh our world old Barcusher got him. Don't forget it was a world record, Dave. World record, yep. yep. Dom gets him in his boat. Yep. It's like some sort of anti Mulloway thing in Brendan's boat. Probably all the um, old rotten bait <laughs> on the <laughs> bottom of his boat just stuck to it. They're like, oh, that's a bad scent. Move it's, away. <laughs> it's leaching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there was that cool capture. Oh, and that Malloy in Port Phillip was, I think, nine and a half kilo, by the way. Man, so. that's, yeah, I think it was like 1.3 metres or something. Oh, I think I saw it on the um, brag mat thing. Yeah, right. No, I didn't see it. There's a tape measure thing going around. I think on Mason's, what's his fishing tackle thing called? Something Ocean X? Yep. 
Yeah, there was a little tape measure thing going over it. Yeah, there like, you go. Yeah, I think it was 1.3, so it's a pretty good it's fish. about right, isn't it? Yeah. 19 kilo, 1.3. Yeah, so Port Phillip Mulloway um, wouldn't probably suggest going out there and thinking that you're going to be able to catch another one of them because well, I reckon that's a one in a million. And just sanding up these fish, because you're sanding up all these other big fish out there, you have no idea. You, you'd probably just go, that's a snapper. Yeah. A lot of Mulloway fishermen tend to fish Mulloway holes, they call it. So, well, well, structure. Yeah, structure, basically. So they go back to the same places all the time. And yeah, so I don't know if he was moving between the um, the estuaries. Probably, because there's quite a few little man-made estuaries in Port Phillip Bay. that um, And natural. Yeah, and natural, that's there's right. There's truly big Mulloway in those rivers and estuaries. I mean... Well, Brendan got stopped down in Pado the other day by one of the... Uh, Lock masters down there or whatever. Um, the lock nest master. Yeah. The guy who closes the locks and stuff, the water locks, mm. to stop storm damaging all the houses in there. Yep. But um, the, uh, there was a boat there that um, called him up and said, oh, you got to see, we've got to remove this dead fish. And it was a 33 kilo mulloway just floating. Wow. And it looked like um, the cause of death was hit by prop. Really? Yeah. So, what are the odds? I know. Um, and it, that's in the river, the man-made river system there, 33 kilos. Yeah. Imagine catching one of them along all the um, man-made piers and houses there. Yeah. Well, remember back in the day, I think it was Barwon River. It was legendary for yeah. massive mulloway. It still is, apparently. There's still those secret guys well, who go out there. they just sit in their tinny all night and catch them. And don't, they, don't they lose them too. Yeah. Don't they get like rowboats and row live baits around? Yeah, yeah. Maybe crazy. we need to do that in Western Port. <laughs> we'd we'd, we'd well, get lost by the current. <laughs> yeah, the current's a bit stronger in Western Port. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Victoria, that's about all that's really going on. I know. Oh, some guys have been getting into some good stuff. Um, deep dropping off Warrnambool and all that down that way. Yeah, I actually did see some good snapper caught in the bays of uh, JB, riding close. JB. Yeah, saw a 90-something centimetre caught. Really? Yeah, haven't not, not got... offshore, yeah, in, right. in the actual bay there. So Haven't they got enough good fishing? <laughs> yeah. They have to take our snapper. Exactly, yeah. So, actually, I was going to mention Bermagui. I'm a little bit concerned they've stolen our um, school tuna run because they're still catching bluefin tuna up there, hand over fist. And what, like our 40 kilo ones? Yeah, they're our 20 to 40 kilo. They're ones. our summer run of bluefin, I reckon. Okay, and they've been there for like two, three months. Well, it's interesting because we actually tagged quite a bit last year and the year before, so it'd be interesting if one gets recaptured. That would be cool. Yeah, yeah. well, it's it seems like the same size class of fish, so yeah, and they're getting them amongst a lot of albacores. It's so. funny because we had another run of fish as well in winter that we caught quite a lot of as well <laughs> and tagged. They were like a five to ten kilo, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, micros, yeah. Absolute micros. So, yeah, that sort of uh, sums up the fishing reports. Mm-hmm. There was something you wanted to d- discuss, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Um, I just want to know what your greatest snapper, uh, not snapper injury, but fishing injury is because, as we know, I had a quite a terrible experience. You did. Quite a few months after I had an injury from a snapper. I know. <laughs> it seemed like the um, initial injury was... Um, was was painful, but we thought that was it over and done with. And then it reared its ugly head months later. Oh, yeah. It it sure did. So I'm going to try to find it here. So 
we were out fishing off. Um, so there's there's oof. the fish there that caused the injury. I see I see something missing. Yeah, so a couple of these um, dorsal spikes here. I don't know if you can see my mouse moving, but and I got quite a bit of blood on my hand there. That's not from the gills. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one spine that we knew about, but there was another one that we didn't know about. Yeah, so on the on the actual day, um, we pulled out this one here with <laughs> with a set of pliers. Yep, and we thought. But little little did we know there was one that went right through right across there. Yeah, only to uh, be discovered about three months later. So that was in about September because that was on our equinox mark. So yep. equinox is normally about the twentieth of September, is it? Well, I know we caught that fish for your. Um inaugural grand final parties that we're allowed to have before yes COVID. yes that's very true so and then um months later weren't you you were moving a trailer around or something weren't you oh. yeah so i was um loading up some heavy equipment for the, one of the last jobs of the year that we were going to install so we had to load it all up on the trailer and i've just lifted it up and it's obviously obviously um pushed the spike right into a tendon oh. um and it's caused my finger to just blow up um and I went loaded up the trailer and stuff and went home. Yeah, I got home and I told my wife. I said, I think I might go to hospital. My hands, well, um, just there's a balloon on my yeah. Finger. Well, my finger was a balloon. Yeah. And then I started getting pain down my wrist here, and it that was blowing up too. And I lost movement of my whole wrist and crap. Hand. So he so I went to the hospital and they did a X ray. So. There's the um, snapper spine that I missed. <laughs> How did you not notice that? It was only just under the skin there. Well, I did notice it, Dave. It was just, um, I thought it was a, what do you call it? A soft tissue injury caused by it. So yep. here's, here's another um, view, different perspective. But look how long that is. That's a lot, lot longer than the last bit of phalange. Is it called phalange? Your finger bones? Sure. But yeah. Metatarsal. Carpal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I can't remember. So then they opened you up like a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, basically. So there's um, me in hospital there. <laughs> I look quite well there. Yep. So what what initially they said to me is, um, yeah, we, you got something stuck in your finger. We'll put you in the acute injuries ward. And hmm. a, a doctor came and blah, blah, blah. And the nurse is like, oh, you probably get operated in within the next four days. I'm like, what am I doing in here? What's going to happen? So they took blood tests and samples from numerous areas of my body. And then I got woken up about, I think it was 1 a.m. And what? they're just pushing me in a trolley. Like, you need to sign here now and blah, blah, blah. It must have been really infecting me like crazy. Wow. And I got rushed, like pushed in front of all these guys in, in the surgery. And I think... I think it was about a three or four hour surgery. Wow. Because um, did you feel like you were in Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> no, well, I got knocked out. They uh. they just um put but that. thing Did over. you like sense a lot of sexual tension between the staff members at the hospital and a lot of different plot lines happening at once? Uh no, because I've never seen that show before. So uh, me either. Same for, for girls. <laughs> that seems quite sexual. <laughs> um, yeah. So they wheeled you in. Yeah. So they wheeled me in. And four hours later, I just remember waking up all groggy. As you can see here, I've taken a selfie, but I was already oh, quite yeah. awake then. But You look off your chops. Um, Where's yeah, the so photo of the zigzag st- 
Did yeah, you? it's coming, mate. I was oh. just showing. So after um, they took the bandages off, they wanted to check the uh, wounds and stuff. Yeah. So here is my finger. So they had to cut it in a zigzag motion. So there's, I don't know, there's probably about 30 plus stitches on the outside there. It's crazy. All that for a little spine. But they also had stitches inside too because what they actually had to do was peel my finger back. As you saw, I've still got scars on my finger from that zigzag. But they peeled it back and I think they had to pull the tendon out and clean it, wash that out and clean it and then put it back in. Wow. So that's all like microsurgery, plastic surgery things going on there. And then they put my finger back together and... If we had known, I could have done that on the boat. <laughs> you could have. With a dirty bait knife. You could have. Just opened you up like a sausage. So, yeah, we're talking about fishing injuries. So feel free to leave a comment and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and tell us some of your injuries because it yeah. is quite insane what can happen. Cause a lot of hooks in people. Yeah, because I, I actually didn't think much of it at the time. Like, obviously, we spoke about it. We just pulled out the spike that was showing, but there was a spike in me for over three months, so... Yeah, right. Well, I haven't had any um anything too bad to speak of. I mean, there was one time where I got bashed up by a marlin when we were uh, marlin fishing off Jervis Bay. I'm very dark now, Adrian. Oh, no, because of the light. Oh, I'm like a silhouette Yeah, for people watching on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know what's happened there. It's the sunlight. It's distorting your camera. Oh. I was trying to block it out. That's why. Anyway, what was it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got bashed by marlin. So when you're um, fishing for black marlin, they're notoriously um, very hard to deal with if you try and grab them by the bill. Yep. And sure. uh, me, Brendan, and Reese Kennedy were up at Jervis Bay. Yeah. And we caught a small to medium-sized black marlin. And it was actually really close in to the cliffs. And we are on our way back in. From the shelf because it had gotten a bit rough. Yeah. So you caught a, like, Reese caught a black marlin. Yep. And obviously you were the linesman, the, I'm a the leader man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're just going to have to look at you a lot. That's all right. Not um, long. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So we had the, the big gear out still. And yep. um, so that was meant that we were able to tame this fish pretty quick and it was pretty energetic. So I went the bill grab on it and, um, it just did not stop bashing the side of the boat and my arm, but I refused to let it go, and I ended up with um, some not lasting injuries, but just some pretty nice uh, bill rash yep. all up the arm. So as you've just been talking about it, I've just been searching on the computer here, and yeah. I've found some footage here. So do you want to see yourself oh, getting yeah. beaten up? Flick it up. This is a while ago. Yeah. So I might turn the volume down because it's got some... Quite loud techno music in it. So. I love techno. Pump it up. So this is quite a large black marlin. What do you say, like 80, 90 kilos? Yeah, he's about 80. Yeah. Which is pretty good because we're in real close. So here's Dave here. It's quite tame. And he's about to grab the bill here. <laughs> Got him. It's like a bucking bronco. Look at the water going everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. You're going to get pulled in the water. Go crazy oh, Dave. 
<laughs> well, you don't let go, you know, until you got yeah. the photo. Yeah. But that's just psycho. He's, like, going crazy. And he's still going. What the hell? Oh, it goes on for ages. <laughs> Wing is, like, egging you on here. <laughs> but that's oh. not that bad. That's not. That's Look nothing. at your shoulders. They're getting ripped out of place here. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, so I think there's a photo getting around somewhere of what my arm looked like that night at the pub. Yeah. And if you want to flip that up. Yeah, I'll find it, mate. Um, but um, that's not that bad. I've seen um a few people getting actually tagged by Marlon Bill when they've been trying to tag it to tag them back. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, which, so, is, which is no good because they've got so much bacteria on that beak. It's like sandpaper. Well... And, Here's a picture of your injury from that black marlin. So you got quite a bit of a rash there. Is that it's from its bill? Yeah. And then you've got quite a really bruised... Um, Massive muscles. <laughs> your biceps just like turned into a grapefruit, basically. It's just purple. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. Totally worth it, though. And that was a terrible pub, by the way, Bateman's Bay, just to, as a side note. Yeah. So, so billfish grabbing, it's quite really... Tough, isn't it? Like you get beaten up and yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people just um, grab the trace and like crack them off, but we feel like it's not really complete <laughs> unless we can pro- actually grab the bill and get a photo and swim it and all that sort of stuff. Exactly, exactly. So we do it the hard way. So I've um, got I've got one of you. I think leadering a swordfish. Now these things are brutal. Swordfish. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I think is this Joshy's one. Yeah, so this is about a what, 170 kilo sword here. Yeah. 160, 170. I'm happy to go with that. Yeah. It was 150. 150, but, okay. But, you know, 170 sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, swordfish are probably the toughest billfish to wrangle. I, yeah, look, I could cop getting hit with a marlin bill, but well, you wouldn't want to get hit by <laughs> a swordfish bill at full like at full power. They yeah. are absolute tanks. And they they aim at you, and they know how to use it. And that sword is actually sharp on the edge. Yeah, we've actually got one here from Adrian's fish. Yeah, um, which you can probably show the camera. Yeah, so you can see it, that that it's edge. an actual like sword shaped thing. So yeah. if you see that edge, it's actually quite sharp. So they're they're probably like I don't know. I'm going to say like five times the length of a marlin bill. Yeah, definitely easy. And, and it's and it's sword shaped. And a swordfish is a lot more powerful than a male one. Yeah. And they yeah, they they definitely have a crack at you. And so I know with this one that you're talking about, the bill I, I had him on the leader and he was reared up at me and the bill like nearly like the tip of the bill pretty much nearly knocked the GoPro off my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna go do the footage here, so we'll see what happens here. You in there. Yeah, you can go to me, even though I'm a sh- shadow. So, 150 kilo broadbill this is. And Dave's leadering it here. So, we've got about 500 pound um, leader here. Yeah. It's pretty green. Oh, it's, as always, with uh, fishing with Pawsey and Josh, very prepared. They had, like, the tiniest gaff in the world. Yeah. Look at the gaff he's got. 
And he's look at the sword that almost hit you in the head. Oh, what the hell? Did that get you then? So Pawsey was actually frightened. <laughs> like he hesitated for so long. So Dave comes in with his own gaff here. So they've basically got the smallest gaff in the world for yeah. one of the greatest fighting boatside fish in the world. The bill was longer <laughs> than the gaff. You don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't get me though. It was close. Yeah, that, that was actually crazy. Yeah. Um, well, actually, the only other one that went that crazy at the side of the boat was the one I got on my own. Yeah. And if you ever looked at my old boat, it was like the majority of the scratches on that were from that one fish. Yeah. Because he, I literally just threw a gaff into it and it went bloody nuts. And I was just like holding on, like just <laughs> hoping it would settle down. And um, yeah, he scratched the side of the boat pretty well. So enjoy that, Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Well, so I've got more footage of another sword. So this is Brendan's sword, and I had a go at leadering. Um, I don't know if you want to see this one. Yeah, I want to see it. So, so this is one we're actually releasing. So this, this one was about two hundred kilo, believe it or not. It it was easy two hundred. Yeah. This one it was a bloody tank. Like if we we actually had a vision that we wanted to release a sword because. It was the year of killing these big beasts and we yep. decided we wanted to release one. So I've got him in my hands now. It's really intense with this music. Like the thing is, this was a moment here. <laughs> it's just chopping at me and yeah. So it just sets you up to. Oof. Rip it out of your hand. So I was holding that with all my might. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no, we're going to lose this fish because I let go of it. Yeah, but swords um, like that. Once you get them sitting, well, some of them go nuts, but a lot of them, once they pop up beside the boat, they're... I'll go um, for another grab here. Hey, look at the size of this. This is a big fish. That was a really big fish. And I'm still getting beaten up here. Look, look, see how it moves its head? It sh throws its body, then whips its head around. Look at the size of the bill on it. And the hook's right through the bill, so it must have been a really sharp hook there. Anyway, that was, we got really good karma for releasing that. I don't think we've caught one since, have we? Um, <laughs> didn't we get... No, that was the last one we actually landed. Yeah. You think we would have got some good juju for letting it go? Yeah. And it's gone crazy still. You can hear Josh in the background here somewhere. He's like, oh, are we really not going to hang that? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> it was bloody huge. Yeah. But it was great to let it go. Yeah. So I'll try. Um, I'll try find footage of it swimming away. Yeah, it's down here. There it goes. It's swimming down here. So it's it's actually going down on its own. Oh no, we got an ad. That's Ooh, not good. It's that stupid lure ad that always comes on. <laughs> it's the stupid. dumbest lure in the world. Let's watch it. Let's talk about this ad. Oh yeah. This. Oh. What's going on? What's happened there? Oh, I went to your phone. Oh. So we've got him and his mum and Dylan. It's <laughs> like some swimming lure. Yeah. Look, this guy's clearly never gone fishing in his life. You know, I'm going to skip his ad and go back to our oh, swordfish. I release. really want to talk about the ad. Uh, that's impressive, like seeing a 200 plus kilo sword swim down. Yeah. And so, look, look at Brendan's excitement here. Like That just shows how beautiful this is. Um, release was so you and I went to a um, 
Swordfish talk by Dr. Sean Tracy. We did. Who runs all the um, sat tagging programs and stuff. Yeah. And he works for IMAS yep. um, in Tasmania. He was actually out there that day. It would have been really good to get a sat tag in that fish. I think we were trying to radio him, but I think they were on one of the uh, closer in canyons, so we're another 20 nautical miles away from them. So yeah. I don't think they heard. Um, and you can't really keep a live fish on the side of your boat for an hour while someone's motoring no. there. So No. And who would have thought we'd be at the ones out of all those <laughs> boats to catch one? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, yeah, the word is from him that um, basically – if you are going to release a swordfish, you just have a crack at it because if they don't, if they're not going to swim off well, mm. they just float back up basically and they've basically. got barotrauma and you can go over there and collect them. Yeah. But you, if they do get down one atmosphere, which is 10 metres, they okay. can usually recompress and once they're down, they're good. So you're saying that, that fish that we released there, it managed to get itself down. So he had a slight barotrauma, you could see that. Yeah. But once she or he, yeah. I think it would have been a girl, probably. Yeah, full of row, probably. Um, once she got down that atmosphere, she recompressed to the point where she, she could keep going. Yeah. And then it was very lively, so <laughs> I'm very sure that fish would have survived unless it ate someone else's bait and got killed. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we've gone from fish injuries onto swordfish releasing somehow there, but... Oh, because it kind of went hand in hand. You got beaten up by Bill uh, on a black marlin there, so I just decided I'd show yeah. some later footage. No, that was cool. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's um, all our injuries. We got any others? No, it's no. Nah, well, we spoke about Brendan getting Gurnard spiked oh, in the yes, testicles. There's been plenty of spikings. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of spikings. None of us have actually been hooked yet, though. Not by a hook. Not not properly. Like we've no. all had the ones that just go through the side of the finger. Yeah, like, yeah. And no, that, but you see guys with like the proper big stainless game fish hooks like through whole body parts, like well, feet and stuff. We spoke about someone catching a mako last week and it bit yeah. his hand off, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that story has escalated. We, we actually yeah. don't even know what happened. He It was just a bandage over his hand and a yeah. mako in the background, yeah. basically. No, I think it was a, more of a crush injury, which isn't <laughs> as cool as actually getting your hand bitten off by the oh, shark. Oh, so you found out it was a crush injury. Mm. I think I mentioned that last time. Oh, okay. You just don't listening. listen to me. No. Typical. No. Mm. <laughs> so, questions. Yeah, what questions you got for us this week from the YouTube account or well, Instagram? I encourage anyone who uh, wants to get in contact with us yep. to jump on, ask us a question on Instagram or on YouTube, like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, get involved, because if you ask us a question, we're more than happy to run it on the show. And I think we were talking about maybe giving away some prizes or something for some of the best questions. Yeah, well, Dave Dave has a charter boat, and I want to give away a free charter to a couple of winners. So Yeah. And And the the other thing was... We've got um, some T-shirts as well to give away. Yeah, we ha- we had a little fishing apparel brand going for a while there. Yeah, before we gave up on life, but um, yeah. Oh, my shadow yeah. was out of the frame of the camera. <laughs> Sorry, Adrian. Um, but yeah, so I've got some leftover stock from that. So I reckon um, if we could give away some of that stuff on the show. Yeah, it would get out of my house, so my <laughs> wife would be happy, and it'd be a great way to get the listeners involved so maybe uh yeah so for the best questions we 
may give away some apparel or we'll work out something maybe with a charter. Yep, that sounds great. But we'll post some details on our Insta. Yeah. So one question. One question this from week. From serial questioner Jonah who must really want uh, a shirt. Yes. Fishery scientist Jonah. Yep. So <laughs> Jonah has asked uh, top tips for people looking to catch their first barrel tuna. Well, Jonah... You got the wrong person to ask because I'm still trying to catch my first tuna over 100 kilo. Yeah, it, so ba- barrels are, yeah, people refer to barrels as, so people refer to tuna over 100 kilos or around about that as a barrel. Yeah. Um, bluefin specifically. Yeah. So that's, I guess, something I've kind of specialised in over the years. I can't believe how dark my shadow is. Yeah, no, I'm trying to make you go to that chair. Oh, are you? That's is what that what like. you were doing? Yeah. Okay. Just wheel over a bit. That's all good. Is, is this working? <laughs> anyway, don't I've, mind us. There we over. go. Oh, yeah, I'm a bit better. Better. My head's really big now. I've got to go back. It's all right. You're fine. Oh. Anyway. Yeah, that's beautiful. So. What was I even talking about? Um, You're talking oh. about bluefin tuna. So, yeah, barrels. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll run through a quick few tips because it probably doesn't apply to a lot of our listeners, but some people might want to know. Yeah, so sorry about the sun shining in Dave's lens. It's So you're going to get a lot of... Uh, nobody cares, Adrian. Yeah. It's raw. <laughs> Better than looking at my face in all its glory. Yeah. A little bit of shadowing. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, a few tips I would give would be um, simply time on the water, effort. Yeah, I agree with so that. So I've gotten a bit lazy in my older age because I've probably caught a fair few of them now. So the drive's not quite as much as it used to be, but... I always used to make sure I was the first boat on the water and the last boat off. Yeah. Never gave up until it was too dark to see. <laughs> and you'd be amazed how often you just work your way onto a fish. Yeah, well, so, I remember you and Schulte got one right on last light and, and I think it only took about 10 minutes to wind in. Yeah. Like it just gave up or something, did a mega run and you just hold yeah, it to the so side Yeah, so we of the hooked three in the day. Yeah. Uh, we had bad luck on the first two and we didn't give up and just as the sun was going down, we hooked up number three. And, um, yeah, it took a massive run on the first run and basically gave itself a heart attack. And we wound up to the boat and it was um, like 138 kilo or something like that. That's crazy. That's a good fish. Um, and I, I've hooked them like at like 7.30 at night as well. Yeah. Um, like, one, you know, after daylight savings has started. And you just work all day and you finally get that bite. But, you know, sometimes you'll get it first thing in the morning, but... Obviously, the more hours you're there on the water, the more chances you're going to get. So, Yeah, 100%. First boat in, last boat out is uh, one of my mantras that I used to like to do. I should probably get back into that so I'll actually catch some more of them. So your tip is time on water? Yep. Um, my other tip is don't start trolling or fishing for tuna until you've found significant life. I think that goes with any game fish. Because yep. you do see a lot of guys, um, as soon as they get out of the entrance or an area where they think there's fish, they just throw their spreads out and yep. just troll around there all day, not knowing if there's fish there or not. So. so, yeah, there's times I will literally just be on the plane, no lures in, looking for hours and hours until I find what is the best life. Yep. And then once I've found that, I just work it as hard as I can. And then hopefully, you know, you found the fish and you, you get that hook up. But it's not always, sometimes the best life isn't like super impressive, mm. but you've already eliminated all these other areas as being 
non-productive. So at least you can concentrate on your all your efforts on what you have found. And sometimes that pays off. I mean, there was a trip last year at Apollo Bay. We went to several different spots. Yep. And one of the spots didn't have a whole lot of life, probably not good enough to stop on. It was just some birds sitting around. We marked some bait on the depth sounder. Yep. And so we kept moving, looking for something better, and we never found it. So we we came back again because we knew that that was the was only thing that the you best found. thing we'd seen. Yeah. And you know, I trolled over. I marked three fish on the sounder. We had a double hookup. That's crazy. So and you're yeah. all by yourself too. Yeah. So yeah, that was you know simply kilometers on the water and knowing what to look for. Yep. Um, obviously, birds, bait, any sort of life. Sometimes there's heaps of life above the water with birds and stuff sometimes most of the life is under the water with bait and, and actually marking fish on your sonar so another, it pays to have really good electronics yeah, and another well. tip as well to catch these big barrels is um you gotta be in the super wog club yeah <laughs> that does help <laughs> yeah we, we miss out sometimes you, you gotta if you really chatty with a whole bunch of mates and you got like 30 boats out on the ocean searching yeah well then they're gonna call you in when they <laughs> exactly. when they find life, and you're gonna be straight on the life. So it's normally go to go to channel eleven, and yep. then you go to channel three up. Yeah, you go three up, two down. <laughs> so you can network your way into a few. Um, yeah. So the other thing was I've got written here is just quality lures. Yep. So runner, if if you, I mean, most of the tuna fishing we do is with lures, so a little bit of bait, but yeah. um, mostly this is, lures. This is one of a favourite. Yeah, that's a favourite. So, yeah, quality lures, runs, run what you're confident in and don't worry about swapping and changing flat out because it's more likely that you just haven't ran over the right fish than the fact that you've got the wrong spread out. Yeah. I mean, you can change it up a little bit, but 90% of the time it's more about putting the lure over the fish than... I agree with that. Yeah. So we run pretty much the same lures every time because they're all ones that have been really successful for me in the past. Yeah. The only time I will change it up is if there's a definitive pattern amongst recent catches of one colour or one style working better than others. Yeah. And then I might change it up a little bit. Oh, it's funny because when the school tuna were running in winter, I showed Winger one <laughs> that I hooked up on. He goes, oh, a coral trout. That's what you came up with. You used a <laughs> coral trout coloured lure. Okay, well, it worked, didn't it? <laughs> so. Yeah, well, who knows what stuff looks like to the Because when you start catching heaps, you start trying different colours and see if it works. Yeah, yeah, well, you know. It probably didn't think it was a coral trout, but no. it might have been a nice contrasting, easy colour to see, and that's what worked on the day. So The, the reason I picked that colour, the coral trout, because it looked very similar to the king brown colour. Yeah. We all know that works bloody well. So the famous king brown helco. Yeah. Absolute killer, especially down in Tasmania. So, yeah, I've got quality lures. Oh, quality gear. Um, so, you know, you want to go there with gear capable of stopping these fish. They're, you know, they're not nothing to be sneezed at. They're... Over 100 kilos up to up to sort of at the very biggest, 180-odd kilo. And if you go there undergunned, they're going to show you up. They will test every part of your gear and your rigging. If you haven't put fresh line on, they'll break that. That line will break. It's going to be breaking at a lot lower than it's what it should be. And I know that because I've, I've had that in the past where we got a bit lazy and yep. caught a fish and used the same line the next trip and... The line broke. We've all done that. Mako's, kingfish, snapper, whatever. But there is um, some hardcore, just going back to any style of fishing, like yeah. snapper fanatics, like they change their hooks and leader 
sometimes they can cut like 10, 20 metres of braid off their rod mm. every trip they go. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? It's just those one percenters. Yeah. Which we kind of do. Yeah. We, we check all our... Oh, I check the hooks. Put it back and, in the water. Yeah. But there's guys yeah. that check it but still change it. Yeah. But pretty much if I catch a... Uh, if I have a prolonged fight on a big tuna or something or a swordfish, I swap that whole top shot of mono out, which is like my top 100 metres of line. Yep. And then you got fresh stuff and... So do you run braid or do you run... Yeah, so I have braid and then um, uh, 100 metres of monofilament top shot so that you've got the strength and line capacity underneath of the braid and then your top shot gives you that stretch. So if you go for a word record, does that still count? Because you've got braid as your main line? Yeah, so pretty sure the rule is that it is the breaking strain on the mono is your... Your line class, yeah, and which came has, in not long ago. Does it have to be a certain length or? No, oh, I don't know, Adrian. Yeah. I don't care about records. No, so. I'm just asking because yeah, a lot of guys are starting to run just braid, yeah. so no, they can no, use it, use the same outfit for different styles of fishing, like deep dropping or. Well, whatever. I'd say if it's short enough, it would just be considered as a leader and not a top shot, and then whatever the braid breaks out is your breaking strain, which yep. is normally pretty high. So yeah, that's how I have my rods rigged, but. Yeah, so quality gear, so yeah, all those one percenters. And the other thing that I would suggest is once you do hook the fish, just stay calm. Yep. I see a lot of people driving around too much on the tuna. So you reckon they're driving around the fish and not actually working the fish? Yeah, so a lot of the time the tuna is just swimming away quite happily, retaining its energy, and you're driving the boat with it, and the fish isn't getting tired. Hmm. Whereas... Sometimes it is necessary to manoeuvre the boat around a bit in order to get good line angle or something like that. Yep. But as much as you can, you want that fish pulling the full force of that drag off your reel and working for every inch of line. Yep. That's the only thing that's going to tire them out at the end of the day. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, those wild boat movements at the end where you're bloody hard on the hammer and doing circles at high speed, it's, you know, it's gonna, you're going to come a cropper at some stage and potentially run over your line or something like that. If you can just stay calm and do s- small, slow, definitive movements, just keep the fish out from being too far under the boat, Yeah, he's going to come up a lot tighter and easier to manage and it's going to allow you to either release it or take it home to eat. Yeah, I, I believe you've got to try to get those tuna in as quick as possible as well because they, they are a semi-warm-blooded fish, I believe. Yeah. So they actually regulate heat you know, in their blood, so they cook themselves if you don't get them in quick enough. Yeah, well, the, every fish seems to be different though, Adrian. Some of them have so much will yeah, and just do not want to come up and there's nothing that you can do about it. And, I mean, probably your average fight shouldn't really go over more than two, two and a half hours if you're, if you're doing everything correctly. Mm. But you do just get some fish that have a really strong spirit. And I know there's been... Um, few big gun uh, game fishing legends who have sort of, sort of, uh, they haven't had the experience with big bluefin. Yeah. And they've sort of said, oh, you know, you should be landing them a lot quicker. <laughs> and um, they've yeah. come down to Portland and, you know, something like four hours on, on fish and to lose them, only yeah. to lose them at the end. And they've learnt that um, it's not all about uh, how what's written in books. And, exactly. uh, yeah, sometimes... There's that untangible thing with the fish just doesn't want to give up. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, 
those kinds of fishermen, they fish the south coast a lot for the striped marlin. Yeah. And they average between 30 minutes and an hour, basically. So yeah. that's the time frame they give to a big fish, I guess. And then when they come fight different, you know, fish like a big tuna, they go, oh, wow, this is a different well, different class. Especially down where we are because yeah. they're in their peak of performance. Yeah. I mean, the water's cool. They're happy in the cool water. There's an abundance of food and they're in shallow. So you, you get a really good fight out of them a lot of the time. I know up in New South Wales and stuff where those fish are out in the deep, the water's usually up around 20 degrees. Yeah. And p- potentially they don't go quite as hard as they do down in Victoria where they're at their happiest. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, so thanks for that, Jonah. Um, I don't know why you asked me that because you've caught so many <laughs> big bluefin, it's ridiculous. He has, he has. Although maybe he just wants to know how you land them when there's not seals just killing them for you. Joan is the <laughs> hardcore um, tuna fisherman. He goes to, was it Mount Suka Island or whatever? Uh, Matt Syker. Yeah, yeah. So that's, how far away south of that is from the main island of Tassie? Um, I think it's about 40 to 50k. Yeah. Um, and, that's, and between that and Antarctica is just a bit of water. Yeah, well, so. you're at the very <laughs> south of Tasmania, yeah. which is completely exposed. There's no rescue operations or anyone running out of there. So it's a pretty wild, unexplored area. I, I believe there's a um, lighthouse on one of those islands there and it's about 40 metres off the sea level and I believe that's had waves go over it. Yeah, that's uh, so that's Tasman Island I think you're talking about, Yeah, which is on the eastern side of the southeastern side of Tassie at Eagle, near Eagle Hawk Neck. Yeah. And um, there, oh, actually... It might have been Pedra. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, sorry. I've got my stories mixed up. So Pedra. Yeah. Yeah, Pedra Branca, which is kind of down, which is also off the south, mm. which is kind of near Mount Syker. Yeah, so this is this massive rock that's, um, I don't know exactly how high, but maybe we could look that up at some stage. But, um, yeah, these guys um, were on there, scientists were on there to study some uh, bird life, I think it was. And um, I've read the whole story about it. It's actually pretty hectic. So they started off on a lower platform. They ended up on the highest part of the rock they could get to. And, yeah, during the night, one of the researchers got washed away and never seen again. So... Well, if I go to Pedro Rock here... Well, look at that. It's crazy. So can you Google Pedro Rock put height in or something? But, yeah, waves actually go over that. Yep. As you can see, that's quite a big wave right there. And there's, yeah, well, that actually there's a actually looks like a good there. workup right there. <laughs> <laughs> you w- you'd probably hook up if you trolled through that. Yeah. So, yeah, so are you going to Google the actual height though? Yeah, mate, I'm on it. Because that will give some uh, some background. To here we story. go here. So eight, no, that's not it. I mean something different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really smooth. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's I think the wave was something like was eighty meters plus or something like that. Like it was ridiculous. Because there's there is nothing to stop the momentum of the waves down there that are coming in from the Arc the Antarctic. So and it's a, it's similar off our southwest. That's why we have such crazy seas where we are. Okay, so the height is sixty meters. There you go. So there's been stories of waves going over that. Yeah, so they were on the very top and the guy got washed off and killed. Yeah, crazy. So, 
How do we get onto that? Oh, yeah. Because we're talking about Jonah catching a lot of barrels and he goes out to one of the most psycho waters in the world. It's just basically Antarctic breeze comes straight at you from there. So. Yeah. He took me out there um, and it was pretty epic scenery and um, we caught no fish, so that was good. <laughs> it was good, though, because Jonah t- showed me all the spots where he's caught them in the past. It'd <laughs> yeah. be like, oh, yeah, so you see this spot here? <laughs> Hookups. <laughs> Many hookups in the past. And I was like, well, that's great, but uh, where are the hookups today? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So that sums up the uh, tuna tips. Well, and Good question, Jonah, again. Yeah. So we might send out a hat, one of those hats Dave's wearing. Just He's already. Day. Oh, yeah. Yep. So we've got those hats. We've got some hoodies, some T-shirts. So if you want to send in a question and you get featured on the show, we'll send one out to you. Yeah. As long as you don't live in Antarctica, um, we'll get it to you. Yeah, I think we won't be sending internationally. <laughs> no. Is that a fair rule? Yeah, it's got to be in yeah. Australia. Yeah. So. I think. And, and if you're close by, Dave will knock on your door and deliver it to you by hand. Oh, yeah. No, Adrian will. <laughs> <laughs> Is that about all we've got for this week, yeah, Adrian? No, that's a wrap-up. We've gone over the hour mark. So Have we? I'm pretty happy with that. Oh, good. good as long as we make it to an hour, that's all that matters. doesn't matter what kind of, kind of shit we ramble. As long as we get to that hour mark, we can then stop the show. Oh, we covered some injuries and yeah, no, tuna good. tips. and So we were, we had like four people lined up this week um, yeah. as guests and um, one of them was out down fishing at, the, at Wilson's Prom. One of them was selling houses. One of them was on a cliff videoing a storm. Yeah, storm chasing. And... So well, it ended up just me and Adrian again. Yeah, no, that's fine. We'll, that's ha- cool. we'll definitely have a guest in next week. Um, so, yeah, we yeah. look forward to it. We'll be back and we'll be even better. Yeah, exactly. All righty. Mm-hmm.